And welcome back to another edition of the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed, alongside my always consistent and reliable co-host, Jonah Tolls. Jonah, how's everything going with you today on this beautiful evening? Man, everything's going great, man. It's Twitter Thursday. Get hyped, man. I, I can't wait for it to see what our listeners have for us. I'm ready to give them some player comps. I'm ready to go, man. Of course, like you said, it is Twitter Thursdays, and this is something that we are going to do on the regular every week. Of course, we take your questions, and I'm going to do a better job of posting it a bit earlier. I know it was a little late today, so I'll do a better job of that. And of course, we want to get to as many questions as we can. But in the first segment of the show, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to compare some draft prospects to previous and also current NFL players. So with that being said, I want to jump right into this thing. And I want you to go first with one of your player and prospect comparisons. So one that you like a lot, which one do you want to share first? For, yeah, and, and to get started, we're doing three each. And for my guys, I picked all senior bowl guys. Kind of make it more relevant. Um, so the first one I want to pick out is one I really like. This is one that I matched up right away when I saw him. Jeff Gladney and Desmond Trufant. I love how both are, but they're both six foot, around 185. Desmond Trufant ran a 4.37, I believe, in the combine. Jeff Gladney's going to run somewhere close to that, I believe, if not faster. Um, both are very good athletes in man coverage. You can see that. Both play the ball extremely well. Great ball skills come out of Washington. Desmond Trufant had. It's just I, I like this comp so much because stylistically they play the same exact kind of way. Even though they're both, I guess, undersized frame wise, Desmond Trufant will still get in your face. He's still physical and run support, and he'll challenge every catch point you throw at him. It's the same thing with Jeff Gladney. Gladney, dynamic athlete, plays super physical, and you love that kind of aggression you see for him. So from a size, athleticism, and then stylistic point of view. I think Jeff Gladney and Desmond Trufant really match up really well. And since we're going to see Jeff Gladney at the Senior Bowl, we'll get even a closer look at him in those one-on-ones. And I'm glad that you mentioned Gladney first just because I watched this film a couple of days ago just because I was writing up his scouting report, and I was pleasantly surprised with how well his footwork was. He is really good as far as transitioning and opening his hips and running down the field. And then I go back and look at Bruce Feldman's freaks list, and it really matches up just because he was clocked at running a 4-3-4 this summer during senior day or junior day, I should say, uh, when juniors go through their annual workouts for prior to their senior year. So these scouts can have these certain numbers on them going into their senior season. So Jeff Gladney definitely was a pleasant surprise. And that's not to say that I wasn't expecting a lot going into the eval. I've heard really good things about him. So going into the evaluation with a clean slate and a clean mind, I really was impressed by him. So I'm a huge fan of Gladney now, and I'm really glad that you forward his name to me, and I'm excited about seeing him down at the Senior Bowl. And the next guy that I want to get to, and this is actually going to be one of my comparisons, and we talked about this during the previous show, this guy is Andrew Thomas. So my comparison for Andrew Thomas, and you already know this just because I've shared it with you, is DeBrickashaw Ferguson. And I think DeBrickashaw Ferguson is one guy that had a supremely underrated career. I believe he was a three-time Pro Bowler, but outside of Absolutely. Jets fans, outside of Jets fans, he doesn't really get the love that he deserved just because he was rock solid on the left side of that offensive line, and he really protected the backside of all the quarterbacks that they had during that time period. And he was so consistent, never missed a game 
during his 10-year career, which is something that you rarely see with the offensive lineman just because of how physical the position is and just the demanding, the physical demandings of it. He never missed a game during his career, and that's something that you see with Andrew Thomas. He's another guy that's never missed a game during his career, even though he's had some injuries. He's battled through them, and also he has that rock-solid build that you love to see, very thickly built, and he his, his game really is predicated upon power, but he does have some athleticism as well. So, And I think he compares very favorably to DeBrickashaw Ferguson. Yeah, I hope people don't see this as a slight because, like you said, DeBrickashaw Ferguson had an excellent NFL career. Talk about a guy that was super consistent, reliable, a pro bowler. If Andrew Thomas becomes Shaw Ferguson, I'd be so glad to spend a top five pick on that guy because now you got a left tackle without for the next decade. Without and question. Starting a left tackle who's reliable and will produce for the next decade. Absolutely. Great. I, I love that comparison because I think just like Shaw Ferguson, I think Thomas is just rock solid. You really don't see many, you know, he really doesn't have the, you know, those traits of like a Tristan Wirfs, but he's like just good in almost every aspect that you want in the left tackle. So I think that's a really good comp. So uh, I remember you talking last show that you had a comparison for him that you couldn't wait to share. Do you still have that ready? Yes. I don't, it's not for um, Andrew Thomas, but I have a comparison that I thought was just brilliant right away. It's another senior guy. Have you okay. seen, have you seen UConn tackle Matt Pert? I have. Okay. I gave him a Brandon Albert comparison. I love it. And the reason why I did this, their backgrounds are very similar coming out of college, and I think Pert is going to be a very similar NFL player. Because like, like Albert, Pert played mostly guard when it started his career at UConn, and he had more transition to tackle, even though Albert did his transition to tackle his rookie year of the NFL season. So I, I think Pert and Albert stylistically both about 6'5", 310, good athletes, both former basketball players. So you, you can see that in their footwork, and they're kind of light on their feet, good athletes. Man, I, I really think Matt Pert's going to have a huge pre-draft process. Similar almost what Brandon Albert had in 2008 NFL draft. Pert, I think, at the Senior Bowl, he has a chance to really rise in these one-on-ones because he has good length and good footwork. That Remember Titus Howard, come out of Alabama State last year, he had a good pre-draft process, and it really skyrocketed him up to the first round. I'm not saying Pert will be a first-rounder, but as I told you before, offensive tackles get drafted around early. Matt Pert, I think, fits the bill of a guy who will get drafted around early just because of his potential and his traits and what he provides as an ascending prospect. And to, I remember Brandon Allard coming out of Virginia. It's kind of the same kind of deal. And it's just from guard to tackle. You were kind of thinking it's a little bit of mystery there. I think Pert, kind of a similar kind of deal because this is his first really full year playing tackle for UConn. Both good athletes, had that guard tackle versatility. And I think he has that potential, that probable potential that uh, Brandon Albert ended up you know, manifesting in his NFL career. So it's going to be really I, – I think that comp to me is one of my favorite comps I've come up with so far this draft season. And I love that just because they are very favorable. Both guys really started at guard and then transitioned to tackle. But the thing about the Senior Bowl is that you always see these offensive linemen that always end up being first-round selections. And you can really tell throughout the week, and even ones that don't go – in the first round, the early round selections, you can always tell the difference between the guys just because I'm a firm believer of if you're a guy or if you know you're a standout guy, you're supposed to look like it in these type of events. So guys like Gary Bradbury, Dalton Reisner, Elton Jenkins, and even Titus Howard to an extent during the latter parts of the week, I really thought they start, they really stood out 
And all those guys were early round selections, first and second round guys. And I thought they looked the part for the most part. So with Pert, I think that's something that we're, we're going to have to wait and see with him just because the game speed is going to be a bit different for him throughout the week as far as the guys he's going to see. And he's going to see the top of the line guys, especially if we're assuming who the guys that already accepted their invitations, if they're still going to be there barring injury or pulling out or anything like that. Hopefully they do stay. You talk about guys like Derek Brown, hopefully Raekwon Davis and some others as well. So he's going to be going against the best of the best. And I think if he's able to sustain against those guys, I think we're looking at potentially an early day two selection. I think he can help himself that much. Do you see him going that early as far as early day two or even maybe if he sneaks into the first round potentially? I absolutely think he can rise into that range. And I would love to see him play both tackle and guard, similar to what Isaiah Wynn did two years ago. Um, I, I just love to see that. I think that'll only help him in terms of his value, show that versatility, play either tackle or guard. Now, if if he if he can hold his own against some of these top pass rushers like Darrell Taylor, if Julian Aquara comes to the Senior Bowl, guys like Bradley and I, if he can show like that he can hold up against these guys, man, there's no telling how high he could go. He can be like the tightest Howard of this draft, where he's like this first rounder that you didn't expect, just because I think some teams are going to value, uh, as I told you. Teams value offensive tackles around early, and whereas I thought, whereas I thought Tyus Howard should have been a late second, early third round guy, he ended up being a late first round guy. So I, I think he could end up being having that kind of rise. But I would love to see him do the Isaiah Wynn kind of thing and play both tackle and guard. It will only help his value. And I think he could absolutely rise in that top forty to thirty range. And this is a bit off subject, but I am really fascinated by this offensive tackle class. And even the guys at the Senior Bowl, even the lower tier guys or small school guys, in a sense, like Purd and Alex Taylor and some other guys as well. I'm really fascinated to see exactly who holds up at this event, just because the biggest thing you worry about with these players that are playing low tier competition of how they adjust to the speed of the game. And you see guys like Alex Kappa in years past and some other small school guys. Titus Howard is another great example. And you just see them getting better throughout the week. And, and initially, the early practices are kind of a bit of a shock for them of how fast some of these guys are just because they haven't seen that type of speed at the schools that they're playing at. But as the week goes along and they begin to settle in, you see them develop some comfort and their technique just looks so much better throughout the week. So with Pert and some other guys that are at the Senior Bowl as well. That's something that I'll be keeping an eye on. So I'll give my next comparison next. And this may be a bit of a cheat sheet, I would say. say. Um, And I'm going to go with Chase Young, just because he is the best player in the draft. Shout out (laughs) to both of our draft boards, the only two people that have had Chase Young in the pole position since the summer. I'm going to keep banging that drum forever until the draft comes and passes uh, with Chase Young (laughs) sitting atop. Of our draft boards or our big You're boards, round, I should baby, say. Man. You're round. <laughs> I should say. But my comparison for Chase Young is Javon Curse. And I love this comparison just because everyone knows about Javon Curse's nickname is the freak. And Chase Young's Chase Young's nickname is the Predator. And that's not to say that they're comparable or anything like that as far as nicknames, but as far as the playing styles, the explosiveness, what they stand for, and just their presence on the field, I think they are very similar. And I know this kind of it's kind of a throwback comparison, and we really don't remember Javon Curse at Florida, but I'm speaking of when he was with the Tennessee Titans and even with a brief stint with the Philadelphia Eagles. When he was on the field, he was a complete difference maker. And you're seeing these offensive linemen having to send two and three guys at a time at him, and that's exactly the type of effect that Chase Young does have on the field. But 
I think where he compares favorably to Javon Curse is that whenever he gets one-on-one situations, he takes full advantage of that. And that's what you're seeing with Chase Young. He's batting, he's batting a thousand in a sense when he's getting these one-on-one matchups. And whenever teams send those single blockers at him, he's going to generate pressures and finish them with sacks. Oh yeah. I, I love that comparison. And I love these old school comparisons too, because I think a lot of people don't, uh, remember some of these guys. And I love that you bring it back. Uh, you throw it back like that. And th- it, it's the right comparison to have. I don't think a lot of people, a lot of you know, our followers are a little younger, but I don't think they realize how good Javon Curse was. And I, I love that you compare the two because they really share a lot of similar traits um, and physical profiles. So this is a really good one. Chase Young, again, we're the only two guys that have number one on their draft boards throughout the entire year. That's not, I'm going to tell you right now, spoiler alert, that's not going to change come April. Um, so, yeah, I like this comp a lot. That's a good one. Yeah, and I like it a lot. So I'm going to let you go ahead with your next comparison. I believe this is your third and final one, correct? This is my final comparison, Save man. Save the best and for last. Yes. And <laughs> Josh Uche, Michigan. And I've discussed this comparison before on this podcast. Uchenna Nwosu. If you remember him coming out a couple of years ago, he was this tweener edge guy, about 6'2", 250. Didn't have long arms. Was a guy who showed up on tape every game you watched on him. He was just exploding to the quarterback with his first step quickness, batting down every – I think he led the nation in pass breakups as a defensive end outside linebacker. It was absolutely nuts. This tells you how much he's on the field and that kind of instinctive way to get to the quarterback. I love New Chen and Owosu coming out. I had a second-round grade on him. Very similar to him is Josh Uche out of Michigan. He's a tweener kind of hybrid outside linebacker defensive end. Looks more like a situational pass rusher. But I think you can play him in an off-ball role and then kind of put his hand on dirt on third downs. Very similar to what Nwosu is doing in L.A. I, I really like him as a prospect. I think he got stand out big time these one-on-ones. It's going to be interesting to see how he, can, how he deals with length against these guys. But he's already proven that he can handle length at Michigan in this season, man. This guy has been able to put up multi-stack games. and he's, he's been able to show that he can win with his quickness, his ability to bend, dip. I like him a lot, and I think he reminds me just a ton of watching Uchenna Wosu at USC. Despite not having that length or that height, just the physical profile, he could win in other ways like that quickness. I love how they use him, and it's not just strictly as an edge rusher. They sometimes play him at will linebacker, and they allow him to drop into the flats and even cover some running backs from time to time. So that just speaks to his athleticism, and you talk about that's something that he's going to be able to show throughout these drill sessions, and I compare it a lot to Hassan Reddick. And if you remember him coming out a couple years ago, he wasn't a huge name coming into the event. But as the week went along and a lot of people were seeing, like, man, he was sticking his face on people as far as hitting them. He was covering backs out of the backfield, and he was very reliable in coverage as well. He ended up being a first-round selection. That's not to say that Uche is going to have that type of rise, but I think he's really going to stand out in these practices just because he's going to be a fluid mover. He's going to stand out in the pass rush drills. And then in these one-on-one situations against these running backs when he's guarding them, he's going to stand out in that area as well just because it's a it's territory that he is very comfortable with just because he has experience at it at Michigan. So I'm looking forward to see what he does during the week of practices. I know we both will have a very close eye on him down at the Senior Bowl, and I'm really excited that he did end up accepting his invitation. But before we move on, I want to remind our listeners about MyBookie. You can use your football knowledge to prove you have what it takes at MyBookie.ag where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Use the promo code CHECKNFL 
or promo code on schedule and you can type in my bookie and it will match 50% of your first deposit. Again, that's mybookie.ag and the promo code NFL, it will match 50% of your first deposit. But before we move on, here is another quick word from our sponsors. All right, and we are back, and it is officially Twitter Thursday, one of our favorite parts of the week. And I just love these questions just because you get a different variety of them, and some of them kind of come out of left field, but you're like, man, this is a really good question. And just just for the listeners, I never share these questions with Jonah just because I like him to get his instant reactions and I don't like to share them so he can't prepare for them. I want them to be strictly off the top of his head. And the first one that I am going to start with, just because I know you're a fan of this school. No, it is not Texas Tech, but I know you're a fan of this school. And I know you like some prospects at this school. So at Sean Borman NFL ask, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. The they are Golden on a roll. Goals. Minnesota Golden Gophers are on a roll right now. Who are some favorite prospects from the school, and where do you think they could land in the draft? Oh, the Golden Gophers, my adopted team. Let me tell you, I love this. I love the prospects on this team. Where to begin, man? Oh my goodness, Tyler Johnson. I think is one, if not the best senior receiver in this draft class. He's one. He's on the short list, right? This right. guy we expect to see in Mobile. Excellent route runner, great hands. You made a speaking of player comparisons. You made a great one earlier this year, kind of like a Devontae Adams coming out yeah. of Fresno State. That I think that's just a perfect comparison for him, size wise, stylistically. He could. I'm not saying his he could end up being Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the league, but I think just stylistically, that's a very good comparison. I think that's a good visual for what players want to see, or for, or for what um, people want to uh, want to look for, and what Tyler Johnson's game is. Great comparison there, and I think Tyler Johnson has a real shot to be a top 50 pick. Um, other guys, kind of not as mentioned as much as Tyler Johnson, but Carter Coughlin, kind of like, um, you know, that kind of like, the, yeah, like another Uchenna Nwosu kind of player who can play a little bit off ball, but it can also be a situational pass rusher. Almost reminds me a little bit of Gerard Avery coming out of Memphis a couple of years ago. I was really high on him, but he was one of those guys that had really, had really short arms and kind of undersized, but good, really good athleticism, good pass rusher but could play the off-ball hybrid kind of guy. Jordan Avery had a great rookie season in Cleveland, and they forgot to use him, and they traded him to Philadelphia. So I think Carter Coughlin can end up being a very similar player to that and that similar role at the next level. Um, I, I like him a, a, uh, quite a bit. I think he could be a top 100 pick. Kamal Martin is a guy that I've really you know put my stamp on recently. I'm the only TDN staffer. I think they even have him on their big board, let alone yeah. top 100. Uh, this, this is a guy that I really like. He's a guy that accepted a senior bowl invite recently. Great space player, former quarterback. So, you know, he, he's really instinctive, really highly intelligent with the game. And, but it, it's his ability to play in space that will get him drafted highly. His ability to cover, read concepts. Again, former quarterback, so he knows a lot of the game. And th- this is a guy that I think has a lot of upside, a lot of untapped potential. We haven't seen a lot of him because he's been injured this year. But this guy can really stand out in the senior bowl getting those one-on-ones against the running backs and tight ends. I think he'd be one of the draft's big risers because we haven't seen a lot of film on him this year. But if he has a good pre-draft process, which I expect him to have, he could be one of the draft's big risers. And the last guy I want to mention is Antoine Winfield Jr. We talked about him. I was about to say you you can't forget him. Absolutely, (laughs) he might be the highest drafted Minnesota Golden Gophers if he declared because he could be one of the the highest one of the highest safety prospects in this draft. You know, riding that you know Xavier McKinney range where he's in the top thirty to forty picks just because of how much he's shown this year. I mean, 
he's kind of in a mystery because he's been injured a lot, you know, for, for his whole career. He's already been granted two medical, uh, you know, waivers. So I, even as a redshirt sophomore, he's been the, he's been in the Minnesota program for a while now. So I wonder if he's going to, he's going to be more willing to declare than other redshirt sophomores, if, if I should say. And this guy, you know, ball skills for days. Already has seven interceptions, leads the FBS in that. And this guy has range for days. I, I'm a big fan of Antoine Winfield Jr. And obviously has the NFL pedigree with his father, Antoine Winfield, who played for your Minnesota Vikings. I'm a big fan. I think he's one of the top safeties in this draft if he declares. So those are my Minnesota Golden Gophers and the draft prospects. Man, I tell you, they got, they got hosed with that eighth overall ranking. They're going to prove it to me. They're going to win the national championship. And it's all going to oh, be baller. Oh, wow. It's, it's, it's all going to be baller. You're throwing okay. that out I'm, there. I, I'm the Minnesota Golden Gophers the, are winning the national right championship. The Golden Gophers are going to be your 2020 national champions. But, hey, it's just very subtle. But, I mean, uh, I mean, what do you think of these guys? I mean, I, I want to get your take on these guys. Yeah, so I'll just start at the top. Tyler Johnson, you know I'm a huge fan. I actually have an early second-round grade on him going into the year, and he has same, done nothing to change that at all. I think that's a fair range for him, similar to exactly what Devontae Adams went. I think that's a fair range for him. Uh, he has had some struggles as far as drops, but I think he's cleaned that up a bit over this season, and he's been a bit more consistent as far as catching the ball. But I think where he wins the most is his releases off the line of scrimmage and then maintaining that separation. That's really what makes me a huge fan of him overall. And I'm 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 a big, big fan of Tyler Johnson, and I'm really hoping that he comes down to the senior bowl just because I think he's a guy like Terry McLaurin that we're going to see just be – He's going to be a professional separator and similar to Debo Samuel as well. I think he has not maybe not as strong as Debo at the catch point, but I think he plays really strong as far as his physicality within routes and his ability to pluck the ball out the air. I'm I'm a huge fan of Tyler Johnson. Uh, Kamal Martin, I'm a big fan of him as well, even though I haven't seen a whole bunch of games on him. I've only seen two games so far on him. That's really why I didn't include him in my big board. I don't like if I haven't seen at least three games on the guy, I'm really not going to include them in That's my big board. Fair. So uh, I'm, I'm a fan of him and what I've seen of him so far. I love that he's a former quarterback. He was a quarterback coming into Minnesota, I believe it was. So he's able to use his experience on the other side of the ball to really figure out exactly what's going on with offenses and what they're trying to execute. So I'm a big big fan of him. Carter Coughlin, I think he's kind of been of a disappointment this year. And I know he's battled some injuries, I believe. So I was expecting a little bit more from him this year, but I'm definitely going to continue to keep my eye on him. But I think he's kind of been disappointing uh, from what I've seen. And then Antoine Winfield Jr., I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. Like you said, ball skills for days. He has range on the back end, but he'll also come up and he'll pop you as well. And that's what you like to see from a safety prospect. He's a consistent tackler. He's not scared to come down and put his face on people as well. So I think he has what it takes to be definitely a day two selection. But he's trending in the upward direction. He's trending in the right direction, I should say. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he does end up declaring just because he is a bit of a older prospect in a sense. He's not a regular redshirt sophomore. So, like you said, he's had the two med- medical redshirt uh, waivers as well. So, I'm really interested to see exactly what he does end up doing. And maybe he's a guy that does end up graduating early just because he is ahead of schedule. We may see him in Mobile as well. And I don't have any inside information or anything like that, but just connecting the dots and what potentially could happen. So I think that definitely could be a blessing in disguise for him. But do you have anything else to add to the Golden, uh, to the golden Gophers? The national champion Golden Gophers, I should say, for you. The national champion, the, the 2020 national champion Golden Gophers of the fine state of Minnesota. And I, I, I got to tell you, 
you talk about Antoine Winfield, man, I would love to see him down at the Senior Bowl. That would only help him because I, I'm not sure if he's on track to graduate or not, but he's been at that program for, I think, since 2015, I believe. Yeah. So he, he would be like a senior now. I mean, but the, the Winfield, to me, man, like, you know, Grant Delpit has been a disappointment, I think, you know, for my, you know, this season. Xavier McKinney, he's a good player, but he has his limitations. And there's a real shot Winfield can challenge for one of these top safety spots. And I think it would be it would be really good to see him in those one-on-ones because we know he can play in that zone coverage, come downhill, you know, attack, you know, coming forward, looking at the ball, tracking it. I want to see him in those one-on-ones in man coverage. We really don't see him a lot in those situations. So I want to see him against those tight ends and running backs going forward. But, I, you know, Winfield to me – would he be the top prospect or would Tyler Johnson still be the guy for you? I think Tyler Johnson would be, but we could yeah. see Winfield go earlier just because wide receiver is so loaded, man. Exactly. And we could, we could see some guys be pushed down the board. So it's it, the supply and demand kind of yeah. deal. These wide receiver, you can, it's going to be so deep this year. Daniel Jeremiah talked about today that he said that this is the best wide receiver class he's seen since 2003. So it's, so this is one of those things where, Wide receivers can get pushed down the board. I think safeties, because it's a little more of a shallow group this year, might get pushed up because of supply and demand. And that's a perfect segue into the next question from Michael Christopher, and it is at Big Dogs 1318. And he asked, Do you think Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb could slide in the draft because the draft is so loaded at wide receiver? And maybe some other premium positions are taken before them. And I'll go ahead, I'll answer this one first. And this kind of is a slippery slope for me just because we've seen wide receivers go early and even in years past. But whenever a wide receiver is different, teams aren't scared to take them early. We've seen it in years past. Was the, we've seen it in years past, excuse me, with Amari Cooper, Sammy Watkins, Corey Davis, and some other guys. The list goes on and on of some of these receivers we've seen taken early. And even going back to, to, through the, to the 2014 class, I can't talk today for whatever reason, uh, with Mike Evans and OBJ and some other names as well. So, And I just think C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, I think both of these guys are different from some of the other players in this class. And Henry Ruggs, I think he's in that first tier as well. I think those guys are firmly at the top as far as the top three receivers in this class for right now. But, of course, the draft process is always fluid and things could fluctuate and change from now until April. We have a long way to go until April 24th when the draft is held in 2020. But as far as the guys that could go at the top, I think the top three definitely are Judy, Lamb, and Ruggs. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see a slide from all three of those guys just because this draft is so loaded. And you're talking about, I believe, Dane Brugler came out and said he has 17 receivers in his top 100. And prior to this year, 13 was the previous high that he ever had. So that just goes to speak that just how rich this this receiver class is in a sense. So it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see a guy maybe in like the top 12 picks. But I think once we get to like the 15 range and on, I think we could start to see a run on receivers. But it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see a receiver pick before then just because teams are going to feel like they can get their guy on day two, that early second round or even the third round in a sense just because do you want to spend a first-round pick on a guy like Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb when you could get a Tyler Johnson or somebody else like that in the second round? I don't think there's a huge precipitous drop-off between any of those guys. And even though those guys definitely are bona fide wide receiver ones, we could see some other guys transition into eventually developing into being some of those guys that we think they could be. So I think it's a slippery slope, and it really could go either way. But for right now, I think teams will be comfortable with taking Judy and Lamb in the top 12. But – just because of how deep this wide receiver class is, 
we could see a guy or we could see no receivers selected inside the top 12 to 15 picks. Yeah, I understand that point of view. But, you know, I think when you look at just draft history and, you know, as well as I do, you know, your draft history really well, that like elite receivers get taken early regardless. And I think, you know, when you look at Judy, Lamb and Ruggs, I think those three are the slam dunk for I know are going to be first round wide receivers. Because what they provide to the table, right? I think Judy has his, you know, NFL-ready route running, kind of like how similar to Amari Cooper was coming out of Alabama. CeeDee Lamb has that run-after-the-catch ability and that catch point kind of aggression. I think that will cement him in round one. Then Ruggs is speed. So those three guys offer traits that no one else in this class has. And I think that's the reason why those three guys will be first-round picks. But let's look back to the Amari Cooper class where you had Amari Cooper, Kevin White, um, Devontae Parker, those guys all went in the top 14 picks, I believe. And, you know, a lot of people said, well, what if they fall? Because, you know, you can get some of those guys later, the second, third round guys also. You know, I, I think the NFL, will, if you're an elite wide receiver, I think the NFL will take you regardless. Let me start with, you know, John Ross, you know, when he went ninth overall to the Bengals. So if a team will, is willing to pull a trigger and they need a wide receiver, I can absolutely see one of these guys still going in the top 10, top 15 picks. But as you mentioned, this wide receiver class is going to be deeper than what we've seen in years past. So maybe that, Philosophy kind of changes a little bit. That kind of fluctuates because you do have a Tyler Johnson in the second round, or T. Higgins possibly, or a Sage Surratt who you know just had a season-ending injury. And he, he might declare. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how this all plays out. But I would not rule out the possibility of these guys still being top ten to twelve picks because of how special they are and the traits they offer. Because I said, like I said earlier, these three guys in particular, Judy, Ruggs, and Lamb, offer traits that no one else in this draft class at the wide receiver position offers. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. And it's going to be interesting to see exactly where some of these guys are slotted to just because I 110% agree with you in the sense that Judy Ruggs and Lamb definitely are the top three in slam dunk first-round selections in this draft. But after that, I want to see how the NFL thinks about some of these guys just because everybody's everybody's draft board is going to be different at wide receiver and cornerback and also running back. It's going to be interesting to see exactly how everybody's board is organized and the sequential order of everything that is going on with it. But before yeah, we finish hey, up – oh, go ahead. You got something to add to that? Let me okay. tell you this right here. Let me give you a sleeper name that might be the fourth wide receiver off the board. Mm-hmm. And no one's – and I've been, ta- I've been praising his name, you know, since I guess August. Brandon Ayuk. And yeah. let me tell you why. This guy legit has the entire profile you want. We've talked about him before and comparing him to Nikhil Harry, not stylistically, but draft range-wise. We said Nick, we said Brandon Ayuk has a better NFL skill set than Harry did, even though Harry had a more productive college career. I think Ayuk, I think the NFL is really going to like him. I compared him to Michael Gallup stylistically. I think that's exactly what the NFL wants. The guy who can really just do it all. Run after a catch guy, good route runner, good at the catch point. This is a guy that's very good in a lot of areas, very well-rounded. This guy can end up being the fourth guy off the board, and don't be surprised when it happens because this guy could, like Tyler Johnson and these guys at the Senior Bowl, could end up having a big week, and I think it will rub off in a great way for these NFL scouts. Look for him to be the fourth guy that no one expects. I'm excited about the Senior Bowl, man. I'm so giddy for January already, and it can't get here fast enough, and I can't wait to get down there with the team and just – start to dissect all of these guys and get everyone's thoughts and from practices, recaps, and all of that stuff. So 
Favorite time of year is definitely approaching. Like I tweeted out earlier, we're starting to see invitations and acceptances from all of these bowl games, so I'm excited about that. But before we finish up with our final segment of Twitter Q&A, here is another word from our sponsors. Okay, and we are back to finish up our final segment of Twitter Thursdays, and we're going to jump right back into it. The next question comes from Trevor Joseph, and it is at every Trevor ever. Fantastic Twitter name, Trevor. But he asked, who will be the most dominant position group at the Senior Bowl? Is it interior defensive linemen? And if so, why? And I'll give that question to you first. Oh, man. This is a loaded question because there are going to be a lot of good uh, position groups at the Senior Bowl. But I think Trevor has it right. I think it's interior defensive line. Yeah. You got guys like Raekwon Davis, Derek Brown, Neville Gallimore. I don't think a lot of people expect him to be in that early round range. I'm telling you this right now, Neville Gallimore will be a top 50 pick in this draft. And he's going to have a big week at the Senior Bowl. Derek Brown, we know him as a top 20 guy. Javon Kinlaw, we've talked about him as a Chris Jones kind of player who's on the Chiefs. Pro Bowl kind of guy. 6'6", 320 guy who can really get off the ball. Excellent pass rusher. I'm a big fan of Javon Kinlaw. He'll also probably be a top 20 pick when it's all said and done. And there's just going to be a lot of early round talent in the Senior Bowl class. And honestly, it makes me feel bad for the interior offensive line class that's going over there because it may look a little lopsided when we get to uh, Mobile. <laughs> right. So if you're an interior offensive lineman, you might want to bow out and go to the Shrine game or something because <laughs> you might have a better shot of looking good over there. Because I, I, see, we talk about these one-on-one drills. They're designed for the defenders to win. So, I mean, you, you know they're going to look good. I, I think this interior defensive line class is going to look, definitely look the most dominant especially with the one-on-one drills and then the talent involved. I think you have it right, Trevor, for sure. And I'm going to reverse course a little bit here just because I want to disagree a little bit on this. And I'm going to go to wide receiver, actually. And I don't think this is going to be a bad selection, but I just want to have something different out there just because we seem to agree on a lot of things, but I'm going to reverse course a little bit here. And I'm going to go at wide receiver. So, so far, we have Antonio, Gandy Golden, Brandon Ayuk, Brian Edwards, Colin Johnson, Devin Duvernay, Kalaja Lipscomb, and Michael Pittman Jr. And we're still waiting on some other invitations to be accepted as well. There's some other guys out there that we're expecting to accept a lot as well, or very soon, I should say. But Gandy Golden, Ayuk, and Brian Edwards, and definitely Duvernay as well. Those are four guys that definitely do have a red star beside as far as who I want to see. Just because Gandy Golden, he's playing a little bit of limited competition at Liberty. And he's really dominated the competition up there. But there are some separation questions with him. And I have compared him to Brandon Marshall. I think that's a very fair comparison for him stylistically as far as how his body is built and how he wins as well. So I'm interested to see Gandy Golden. We've already touched briefly on Ayuk and what he brings to the table. We know he's probably going to have a standout week. But Brian Edwards is another guy that's definitely in that same boat. And there isn't as much star power in the wide receiver room as far as the interior defensive line room. But I think there's so many question marks about this, about these guys that are already present and accepted their invitation. It's going to be interesting to see exactly who separates themselves from the pack. So that's why I say it's really the most interesting of the group. And I think it's probably going to end up being the most talented, even though it doesn't have the same amount of star power. I'm interested to see exactly which cream rises to the top and who really separates themselves. But do you have anything to add to this wide receiver group that's accepted so far? I am going to play devil's advocate here because I think the cornerback group is going to look better than the wide receiver group there. And the reason why I say this 
is because I think the wide receivers at this, they brought to the Senior Bowl, and I'm not talking about Brandon Ayuk or Tyler Johnson. I'm talking more about the Brian Edwards, the Colin Johnsons, Antonio Gandy Goldens. These guys, you know, are great at the catch point, but they have struggles in their separation. And you have some guys at the quarterback position who are fast and guys who are good athletes who can stick on the hip pocket and they can compete at the catch point. It, it, it might be a long day for these wide receivers. And that's Jeff Gladney's, the Troy Pride Juniors. We expect to see a guy like Amari Henderson from Wake Forest who has the link to match up with these guys. Trayvon Diggs, potentially. Christian Fulton. These are guys that I think Lamar Jackson from Nebraska, six foot three corner. That for the first time in a long time at the Senior Bowl, we're going to see very similar size, you know, matchups between wide receivers and corners. So I think the corners could give these wide receivers a hard time here. Because I mean, if you look at the last couple of Senior Bowls, we've had a big disparity in the size of you know wide receiver and corners. Like yeah, Debo Samuel going against Isaiah Johnson. Debo Samuel's going to win that matchup ten times out of ten just because of you know. His ability to run routes and his short area quickness, whereas Isaiah Johnson's more of a linear athlete and he can't really turn, you know, those little, you know, quick five yard routes. I think for the first time in a long time, we're finally getting that size matchup down, that balance. And it's going to be really interesting to see those guys match up because I think the wide receivers will have a hard time separating so that they've done in the years past at the senior bowl. The O line, D line, and wide receiver cornerback one on ones are going to be an absolute bloodbath, man. It's going to be so interesting to watch exactly how in both practices these groups really separate themselves from each other and which guys really rise to the top. So I'm interested to see that. But I want to back up to uh, Michael Christopher's question. He actually had a second part to his question that I think is really interesting. So he asked, with Jeffrey Okuda, who goes higher, him or the offensive tackles, Andrew Thomas or Tristan Wirfs? Who would you put money on right now as far as who goes higher in the NFL draft? Man, the smart betting man would just wait to see what the draft order is because that then you'll probably know what teams need to tackle, what teams need a corner. They want to, but I think tackle and corner, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those needs to where like, can you really have enough of either one? I mean, you need tackles, you need corners, two of the most important positions in football. And it, it really just depends on who's picking, I guess. And I'll probably have a better answer for you in February or March. If I had to give you a November answer, man, I, I think I'm going with one of the tackles. I, I think one of the tackles goes earlier. And the reason why I say it is just because I think this cornerback class can, will stretch out a little bit. I think the tackle class – and, you know, tackle class is good, is good too, but I think it kind of dips after those first two guys, you know, Worfs and Thomas. And to me, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of both guys. I think both guys are, could end up being top six to eight picks. And we know a lot of these teams that struggle – they struggle, you know, they're, they're there in the top six or eight, because, not, not necessarily because of a cornerback need, but, you know, you're talking about guys like the New York Jets, the Washington Redskins. These are teams that are going to need offensive tackles and teams that might not, may not draft a quarterback. You've got Dwayne Haskins, Sam Darnold over there. These are two teams that will be prime targets for a left tackle. That's not even talking about teams like the Chargers or the Broncos or even the Cleveland Browns that might trade up. So I, I, give me the money on tackle, but don't get me wrong. Kudu will probably be a top 10 pick when it's all said and done. It's going to be very close, but give me the tackles. Yeah, and we've seen, just like you said, tackles are always valued around earlier. But with those guys, they're seen as probably top 10 picks right now. 
And we've seen teams in previous years, they're not afraid to take these athletic offensive tackles even earlier than what they're supposed to go. And both of those guys, it wouldn't surprise me if they end up being top 10 or even if Andrew Thomas, we're talking about, he may go up inside the top five. And some teams may have it flip-flopped as far as who they like at that top spot. Right. We may see Tristan Wirfs end up being a top five selection, especially zone scheme teams or teams' offenses that are a bit more versatile as far as you know running zone and man-blocking concepts as opposed to just man-blocking concepts, which I think Andrew Thomas fits a little bit better. But Tristan Wirfs, he's really a jack-of-all-trades, and he can fit in either or. So we could see teams or some team value worse a bit higher than Andrew Thomas. And neither one of those guys, of course, have declared yet or anything like that, given signs that they are going to declare. But we'll see what does end up happening as we get closer to April. Did you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, I know that Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs, one of the two guys, those guys will predominantly be the top tackle on most teams' boards, whether it's Wirfs or Thomas. I'm not sure if will be the top corner on, on every board, depending on, you know, stylistically and what teams value in the quarterback position. Some teams may like Trayvon Diggs. Some teams might like Christian Fulton. The quarterback position, I think, is more of a flavor position than the offensive tackle. I think tackle is more easier to read and kind of say, okay, these are the top guys. Cornerback's a very polarizing position to scout because everyone has this different flavor of that. So I, I would go with the tackles just because I think there's going to be more variance at the top of the cornerback class. Even though Akuda is likely to finish as my top corner, I think there's more variance in that spot within the NFL. Of course, and then I think running back is another similar position that teams could have their boards in a very different order than what the consensus may be. So I'm very interested to see this is one year where it just kind of seems like there's no consensus at a lot of top positions, and we could see a lot of different boards vary, not only ours at the Draft Network, but also throughout the league as well. So I can't wait, man. January can't get here fast enough. I'm already excited about the Senior Bowl. As you can tell, we've included it on every show so far. I want to co- we're going to continue to talk about some Senior Bowl guys just because Jim Nagy has already – he just tweeted out about 20 minutes ago that they just got a huge acceptance from a couple of guys as well that I'm sure they're going to announce probably tomorrow early on. So I'm excited about that. Of course, thank you guys for listening. As always, that is our show for today. We will be back tomorrow, of course, for a Friday special edition. Well, I don't want to release the topics yet just because we're, we're still discussing some things. But, of course, we're going to tweet out exactly what we are thinking just because we like you guys going into the show exactly uh, what you expect. We like, we like putting out there exactly what we're going to talk about just so we like being transparent with our listeners throughout the show. So thank you guys for listening. We are the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed, alongside my fantastic co-host, Jonah Tools. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. As always, thank you for listening and see you tomorrow. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.